Hello, friends. We're back again. It's Fightful Overbooked, and it's time for the only show where you will find the owner of Fightful.com. <laughs> I have that Lambert guy. Jeremy Lambert's here. We're here for Newsworthy. How you doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm, I own this whole place now, so can't can't really complain. I've never seen a CM Punk match in my life, but still own own a wrestling website. Is CM Punk in the news or anything? Are we going to talk about him on this on this show? This show is newsworthy. So, but I I don't I don't really know who CM Punk is. Never never watched him wrestle. This is news to me. I've never heard of the CM Punk guy. Heard of that Lambert guy? I also have a question. Um, if you're the owner of Fightful, who did I have lunch with on Tuesday? I don't know. Some random Canadian. Canadians are very friendly, I've heard. Uh, they probably just met a Canadian on the street and was like, hey, you want to go have lunch? And he's like, yeah, sure. We're Canadian. Ha, ha, ha. Let's go have lunch in Poteen. <laughs> it's called Poteen? <laughs> yeah, that's what it's called, right? Poteen? Poutine. Poutine. Like Poteen poutine powder? No, it, well, yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah, no, you know what? That's exactly it. That's it. You got it. <laughs> Who am I to question the point god? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Y'all know how this works. It's newsworthy. So we take five articles from Jeremy's week and we talk about them a little bit. They're ones that maybe flew under your radar or ones that were all over your timeline. Regardless, we're going to break them down, talk about them, and maybe add a little bit of context and color to it. Jeremy, are you ready to go down your top five? I, I, I'm ready, Joel. It was a tough week this week. I had like eight articles picked out. I did great work this week. Go me. Number five, Charlotte Flair says, I can't imagine not wrestling Sasha Banks again. She's my Ricky Steamboat. Perfect timing. Ricky Steamboat was just on AEW Dynamite, being a guest timekeeper, being a dragon, doing the show today and being like, what did he say after he, after he did the move? What do you say to, to Jericho? I don't watch I don't watch AEW. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right, because CM Punk is on there, and you don't watch yeah. CM Punk matches. Anyway, Charlotte Flair was on Broken Skull Sessions and uh, had that to say about thinking Sasha Banks is her Ricky Steamboat. Tell me about it. What got you going? Why did you like this article? I didn't really care about that comment. It was just the easiest headline to make. But the the question was Steve Austin asking, like, what are your thoughts on Sasha Banks and Naomi walking out? Like that, that was the question he asked point blank. He did give her an immediate out. It was like, you don't have to comment if you don't want, you can say no comment, but he still asked. And I respect that Austin even asked that because uh, Austin kind of has free range. He do what he wants on these shows based on all accounts. And he, w- he went there with that question. Charlotte gave an answer. You kind of expect her to give. And it's, it's a truthful answer. I believe because she hasn't been there since WrestleMania backlash, which I believe was, uh, you know, after uh, what, what the pay-per-view was before the walkout is what I'm trying to say. Uh, so she, she wasn't there. So she probably has no insight to this, at least that portion of it. Maybe she's talked to Sasha and Naomi. I have no idea if she has, she ain't saying shit about it. It's, it's not her place to say that. And she said as much, uh, it's not her place to give the company side or Sasha and Naomi's side. Uh, but I respected that Austin asked. I respected that Charlotte gave some type of an answer to it. And I want to put over Broken Skull because I really like that show. I, I think it's a, a hidden gem show if you are looking for like news and stuff. Because Austin tries to cover as much of somebody's career as possible in an hour and a half. Uh, he's not afraid to kind of ask certain questions. Sometimes he leans back a little bit when maybe he could lean in a little bit more. Uh, I like that like 
he'll watch matches with them. That's one of my favorite aspects of of wrestling interviews. Uh, is like, hey, let's go back and watch this match. What were you thinking here? Because you can hear Charlotte in this interview be like, oh, I should have done this better. I should have done that better. Like now I would have done this. Like, oh, look at look at there. Like I could have done there. Like oh, we had them there. I really like them watching matches and everybody respects Austin. Like, yeah, everybody who sits down and does these interviews with Austin, they have a respect level for him. So they're a little bit more comfortable in, in what they're doing. So I really like Broken Skull Sessions. I thought it was a very good interview with Charlotte and I respect that Austin asked this question. So if you haven't listened to Broken Skull Sessions or watched, go do that. And you know, I assume Charlotte's gonna be back on television. She was back last night actually, Joel Pearl. She was back. Oh my goodness. I fucked up my, fucked up my own bit. I assume she'll be back <laughs> soon. Uh so I gotta ask you, I, I know the answer to this question. Uh did you listen to the Stone Cold podcast back in the day, right? You were still listening to it because you were probably pulling yeah. headlines from it and also because you're you said you enjoyed the show. Do you find that the Broken Skull sessions are better than his podcast or maybe the same, different? Is it a different beast altogether because we're talking audio format versus a video format? I'm, I'm just curious. I got to ask you that. I, I think it's a, I think it's better. And because he can sit down with these people and do the portion like, hey, watch this back. Because a lot of time, maybe he might just do it over over the computer, over the phone, however he was recording. I know a lot sometimes like they would come to 316 Gimmick Street and they'd sit there, but they wouldn't pull out the computer, the laptop, whatever, and, and watch the matches. Like I like that aspect of the Broken Skull Sessions. I think Austin has improved as an interviewer as well as as should happen when you've been doing it as long as he has. It's obviously a little bit different because it's on Peacock. It is associated with WWE. So maybe he can't, he certainly doesn't get the guests that he would always get from, from back in the day where he could have free range to talk to whoever he wanted to talk to. Uh, I guess I got Jericho on there, but he, he doesn't get those guests and everything. And I, obviously the guests might not be, even though there is a level of comfortability with them because they know Austin, like they, they also know they're still under like the WWE banner with this stuff. Whereas if they're just doing this interview on their own, it's like, yeah, I don't really have like any restrictions when it comes to this stuff. Most of the time they're going to mind their P's and Q's with stuff anyway, but it's a little bit of a different beast where it's like, Hey, this is a WWE promoted thing rather than, Hey, we're just doing this interview and I'm talking to Steve Austin. Yeah, exactly. It's very different, uh, different beast by the sounds of it. And I, I agree with you. Uh, let's move along. Number four. Chris Jericho, because, you know, you're a big AEW fan, as we just established. Uh, Chris Jericho was on the uh, Swerve Strickland and Montese Swerve City podcast. And the headline is Chris Jericho says less sing-along Judas remix was created and explains why Tony Khan nixed it. Give me everything because I'm going to I'm going to hit you with something after that. Okay. So Swerve City, Swerve Strickland, he does, he's been doing his podcast forever. It was on WWE Network at one point as well. Then during the pandemic. Left. Yeah. So, so now he just does it on his YouTube and they've, they've interviewed Tony Khan before. They've, they've had some, some big names on there. Jericho, yet another big name. It's a lot of music talk, uh, Swerve's podcast. It's a lot of like outside of wrestling talk, which I'm completely fine with. Like I, I there's certainly a place for, for that kind of stuff. There's enough wrestling podcasts. So hey, if you want to get on there and talk about music and stuff, go for it. It makes my job a little bit more difficult when it comes to, you know, pulling articles for stories, but I'm still all about it. Like I mentioned with Austin is there's just a comfort level when you're talking to another wrestler. And, you know, these guys work together. I don't feel like they have too much familiarity 
with each other. I don't feel like their paths have crossed too, too much. I think Jericho has kind of like said as much, but they work together now. Obviously both musicians. And so they, they understand each other on that level as well, along with being wrestlers. So there was a, like seeing Jericho on this was kind of surreal because I just wouldn't think Jericho would do this. But when you put piece it together, it's like, oh yeah, sure. Jericho talking to Swerve kind of makes sense. So I like that the, there's the comfortability level there. And that's why I do like wrestler interviewing wrestler podcasts, especially guys who are still like very attached to the business and or like prominent big names and stuff. Um, as far as like this article goes, so I know Jericho has mentioned before that they didn't want to do they didn't want to change the Judas music after he turned heel because it was just, it was something that the fans created. It was unique. And that's why they didn't want to do it. You get very like kind of generic, uh, but like surface level answer on things. I believe this was the first time he said that it, an actual song was created. Like they created a Judas remix. They were going to do it. And then he took it to Tony Khan and Tony explained why, no, like why do that for a one week pop? Like it's part of your act. It's something unique to, to AEW, something the crowd created. Let's stick with it. So as far as I know, it's the first time that it was mentioned that there was a Judas remix actually created. So another reason I picked this one was there's also the, the headline that I wrote where he talks about Vince McMahon and how great Vince is and everything. And the headline I got out of that was, Chris Jericho says Vince McMahon is a once in a generation genius. And I knew this is a major headline pop of like, Oh, people are going to quote tweet this to death. People are going to reply to this to death. And it's just, it's going to be a thing. And I debated on which one to run first because you know, this, this headline isn't like as popping It's like, okay, cool. But it's more newsworthy. Like it was the first time he mentioned this. So it is more newsworthy but it doesn't have the same pop as Chris Jericho commenting on Vince McMahon and calling him as a genius. That's going to get more engagement. Um, I, I like to explain my process of like when I'm writing these articles, posting these articles, what I'm looking for in news, because if you are trying to do this or you, you want to do this, you're doing this currently, I feel maybe I'm helping someone as well. Uh, I decided to go with the more newsworthy article first because I want kind of Fightful's reputation to to be, hey, let's go with the news over just like a good headline pop. And that's why going back to the, the Brian Danielson stuff, I went with him talking about his injury and coming back from that over, hey, everybody in the locker room talks about flaccid penises. Like that's an easy pop that obviously got a lot of engagement, but is it the most newsworthy thing in the world when he's talking about, I thought I was going to have to retire the most recent concussion injury because the doctor said he was going to have to talk to me. Like that is the actual news out of there. Uh, so that's that's my advice to anybody is like, you're probably going to get multiple articles out of a lot of these interviews. Try to go with, you know, whatever is actual news over just like a really good pop because that pop isn't going to go away, but that news can be lost w- within a day. Like, you know, I ran the Brian thing a day later or two days later. It obviously still popped very well. I ran the Jericho thing the next day it still popped pretty well. So the pop is going to be there. You, you don't run out of pops in the headline business, okay? You don't. You you don't really run out of news either. But you do have a, 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 t- a countdown on like how newsworthy some of these news items actually are. So I got to do three things. One, I have to commend you for saying the word newsworthy. That's the name of the show. 
You said it like six times. Good for you. Good. Yeah, we're from the Paul Heyman School of Promo. You just put everything over. You know, let them know when, where, newsworthies every Saturday at random times at this point uh, here on Fightful Overbooked. And but also, if you're going to pull from the Paul Heyman School of Business, you got to do the the three uh, the three words the the alliteration and three uh, three letter alliteration. Um, there's that. Okay, number two is I, I'm actually I, I love that you're bringing up the fact that if nothing else, you are hoping that people who are in this news writing game take something from the show because since the beginning, we know that we've been talking about you know the stories are ones that you've written, and yeah, we're putting you over on the show effectively, but. It also comes with the opportunity for people to get involved and maybe learn a little bit from your process. And I'm glad that you bring this up and I'm glad that you continue to talk about this on the show. I think that's, I think that's good stuff to have because otherwise we're just sitting here popping ourselves and telling stupid shit. Uh, and number care about like, again, if somebody learns anything, fantastic. The point of the show is to just put me over and pop myself. Can't run out of pops on this show. I'll pop myself all day. There you go. Number three going to the article itself about Jericho talking to Swerve about the Judas remix, uh, you know, there was another wrestler who had turned heel and had a, a singable theme song and he had it changed on him. Do you remember who that was? No. It's in WWE. I don't keep up with WWE. It's Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh, true. He did. Remember yeah, everyone used to stupid. sing a song and then they did a remix. And by the way, the remix itself, like the song remix was really was good, cool. Yeah. It was really good. It was just one of those like, oh, you're not going to be able to sing it because a none of y'all speak Japanese. And two, it's a totally different uh, approach from the original. So I think it's really interesting that TK said no to this and that Jericho was for it. And it makes perfect sense. You'll read the article or you'll listen to us uh, for city podcast and understand it. But I came into that and I originally, I was just like, Oh, that's just like what happened with Shinsuke, except they went through with it in Shinsuke's case. So anyway, good stuff. Really good article. Really good uh, podcast. Go ahead. Listen to that. Let's move on to number three. We're going to talk a little bit of independent wrestling as Beyond Wrestling's founder, Drew Cordero, re- discusses impact, not the promotion, but the impact of AEW and WWE on independent wrestling. Uh, Drew Cordero who is the owner of Beyond, was talking to the North-South Connection. Um, it, this is a, a very long transcription. I'll let you get into it, um, but there is definitely a lot to uh, to talk about here. Go ahead. So North-South Connection, I, admittedly, a podcast I'd never heard of uh, until I, I found this while just searching for stuff to listen to. Uh, and they, they did a good job. They, they had familiarity, a lot of familiarity with the product. And I don't know like if they, they knew Drew or anything, but it seemed like it was very sort of indie and indie-focused uh podcast and everything so they had i thought it was a really good interview with drew he was very honest about about things that were were going on with beyond what's happening there and like plans that they had before the pandemic coming out of the pandemic all this stuff uh they got their big american rana show coming up as well so so like they were i think that was the major purpose of him being on the show is to like kind of promote that but they they asked some good questions i thought this was a a very good interview with him uh and actually one of the guys messaged me I, i've talked about this before but people think that yeah you know, why do you ask for for credit or you're taking credit for other people's work they did the interview and stuff and i've, I've said like 95 percent of the time a lot of these people will message me and be like hey thanks for covering this hey can you cover this like you know if i have anything more can i send it to you so these guys they message me like hey thanks for thanks for the coverage like we really appreciate that because it is something most of the wrestling websites aren't going to cover a Drew Cordario interview uh, from Beyond Wrestling. Unfortunately, independent wrestling just doesn't get a ton of love on these major websites because it ain't bringing a bunch of clicks. You know, WWE, AEW, it, 
for the most part, New Japan, like those are going to bring clicks to all these top websites. Unless you're a niche website just covering independent wrestling, you're not getting much out of covering independent wrestling. I try to do my best to, to cover as much independent wrestling as possible. And I got to work in AEW and WWE into the headline. So for SEO purposes, it still kind of worked out a little bit there. Uh, I thought he gave a very good answer of like, you know, it's it's challenging. Like it maybe hasn't been the best uh with the independence and all these guys getting signed because now i've got to you know i had plans for this guy and then he works an episode of dark and he gets signed and it's like okay well now i can't do that anymore he did you know thank tony khan of like you know max caster comes to beyond and the wrestling open pretty much every week he was he was there on thursday uh eddie kingston is working the american rana show wheeler yuda it works a lot of beyond shows especially like the bigger shows uh so like they AEW does give talent in that regard, but from a week to week perspective, you're just not going to get these talents that you were getting in the past because it just, it just can't do it. The schedule just doesn't align for it anymore. Uh, and so he mentioned, like, I got to keep my eye open of like, okay, who's going to be the next guy that AEW might want? Not like kind of who's hot now, who's going to be hot two, three years from now, and what can I do to get their name out there and build them up? I thought it was just a, a cool explanation of, the process of what he goes through when it comes to independent wrestling, because you know, beyond is one of the, I think anyway, I thought their uncharted territory series was like one of the top shows weekly before, before the pandemic and everything. Uh, and I think they're one of the bigger independent promotions out there. How many independent companies do we see just, Hey, they're running just sort of one show a week or one show a month or one show every other week. Let's use an AEW guy to get like a pop. For, for that show like that's going to build the show and because he's running weekly shows it doesn't have access to that it's like okay well how can i make this work without relying on AEW talent so i thought it was good insight from somebody who legitimately runs an independent promotion being asked about you know how does AEW help how does wwe help how do they make it more difficult on you i think it's very interesting to think about how talent is cultivated in wrestling and how the independents are frequently used as, uh, as, as, as a, a starting point for picking out some of these talents, depending on where you work and beyond being one of the tippy tops of those, uh, those promotions for companies like AEW or even WWE to pick up people for whichever things that they need them for, whether that's Ring of Honor or for Dark or for NXT or a dark match on Raw or SmackDown, whatever it is. Uh, it, it's really important that a booker in the independent scene understands not only their talent, but also how their storylines are affected by the success of their talent. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, everyone likes to say, you know, AEW is doing great for the independents and whatnot, but nobody really asked a lot of the independent promoters how they think AEW is doing with them. So he gave his take on it and he's like, you know, there's some good stuff they do because Will or Yuta tweets the match graphic and promotes the match and it's more eyeballs on it now because he's part of aw there's also some bad because now i don't have access to a lot of this talent that i was frequently using beforehand because they're all their different kind of obligations and they can't do some type of return and beyond was very big in the cultivate like john silver was a regular orange cassidy best friends like a lot of these guys were were regulars for beyond um before you know they just ended up in aw and now like they're not there really at all. Yeah. And it's, it's a give and take. I've always said that when it comes to wrestling, with the majors and the independents, it is a give and take. If your homegrown talent from your independent moves up, there should be an opportunity once in a while for them to come home. 
and them to visit their their homegrown talent. So either way, a very good interview. Go check it out. North South Connection is the podcast where Drew did the interview. And uh, check out Beyond Wrestling because, like Jeremy was saying, Uncharted Territory was an excellent, excellent show, especially this past season. Let's go check that out. Let's move on. Number two. I love this one. Drew Gulak is streaming on Twitch again, and he thanks Papa H. Now, for those who don't know, we do have a Twitch channel. It is twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. We tried a game, but really we did it because all the other wrestlers were doing it, and we wanted to look cool too. I'm back this week, Joel Pearl. I'm streaming on Twitch this week. I'm gaming. I'm going to game this coming week. This week that's coming up, this is a a Saturday when everybody is listening to or watching this. Maybe it's a Sunday. Maybe it's a Monday. Regardless, Maybe it's like three weeks later. Could be. Hello, future listeners. I'm streaming on Twitch at some point this week. I don't know what. I don't know when it's going to happen, though. Got, I kicked the kids out of the house. They're in school. Uh, so I got more free time. All right. So with that in mind, Drew Gulak uh, had not been streaming since March 2021. And suddenly on August 15th, he's like, hey, I'm back. So um, you you had a little bit of comments from him that you transcribed from his Twitch stream. And uh, a little bit interesting thing to note is that when Dakota Kai came back, she had also mentioned on her Twitch Twitter page that she is not going anywhere. So there's a lot a lot of interesting stuff coming up from this. So start with Drew, and then we'll move on to what might be coming up next for WWE stars and uh, their streaming platforms. So this was more of a tweet than, uh, than his actual comments, because his comments were... They, they, they were kind of funny to me, but I watched, I saw the tweet and like, Oh, well, this is an easy article to do. And I was like, I'll watch the stream, see if he actually gives any more insight to this stuff. And then someone asked like, Hey, is WWE changed their policy on this stuff? He's like, yeah, no, I don't know. Like the policy has always been the same. People are making stuff up and it's like, okay, come on. Like we all saw the letter. We all, we all saw the email that Vince wrote. We all saw everybody get off Twitch all at once. You can't tell me that the policy's been the same and then everybody just went quiet on Twitch for a year and a half. And now all of a sudden people are back now that Vince is gone. Like, and, and that stuff was made up on this. And I like Drew Gulak. Uh, I've had, I've had interactions with him over news that has been written. So like, I, I think Drew is a very understanding person when it comes to this stuff. I'm not, I'm not trying to, try, trying to go at Drew here. I'm just saying like, you can't tell me like stuff is being made up when like it's out there. There's e- there's email evidence and there is just piece together evidence. There's puzzle piece evidence of everything. So my my the reason I wanted to kind of do this one though is because if Twitch is back, and it seems like it is, I don't know how much wrestlers are going to say on their Twitch. It might just be, hey, we're just gonna stream games, maybe we'll do some QA stuff, but we're not gonna really talk about wrestling. We got 300 podcast platforms to do that on. So let's just have fun. Let's just play some games and stuff. I used to watch Twitch for wrestlers. AJ Styles was a gold mine when it came <laughs> yes, to Twitch. He was. And AJ Styles might be gold mine might be a reason why they don't do Twitch anymore. But he would just talk about wrestling on that shit all day and I'd just get multiple articles out of it a lot of these wrestlers would be on there and they just talk about stuff and it was great like it was great for articles because nobody uh, yeah a lot i pride myself on trying to find under the radar stuff that people just aren't going to listen to that aren't your mainstream podcast and a wrestler's personal twitch a lot of people just aren't listening to that for news um 
I think it's changed to where people are just kind of more gaming and talking about wrestling now, which is completely fine. That's probably maybe what you should do with it and, you know, save the other stuff for like long form question answer stuff where you're just not on Twitch and you get baited into some type of answer or you can't give your full thoughts because you're focused on your video game and everything. That's probably the way to do it. Uh, But yeah, if wrestlers are back on Twitch, I got a lot more Twitch streams to listen to. It's so interesting to me because there's like one frame of mind that says these are a bunch of adults. They should be able to like figure out what they should and shouldn't say when they're streaming. But of course they can't really, you know, AJ Styles is in his forties and he was the gold mine that he AJ was. AJ Styles fucking rules by the way. He does. But man, did he have a lot to say? Uh, you're very open with it. Sure. Whatever. That's his, that's his community. That's how he wants to uh, put himself out there. On the other hand, I think there was, it was twofold. Why, the third party platform stuff was taken away from them. And the other side of it was that there was money involved. And instead of these wrestlers making money on the IP that is technically signed to WWE, Vince was like, I don't like that. I want my money. And so next thing you know, they were taken away. And I think that this is a little thing. If they're allowed to go and Twitch uh, stream on Twitch again, this is a little, little thing that not only lets wrestlers, uh, earn a little bit more money because they're entertainers and entertaining, but they're also uh, getting some opportunities to do stuff that they wouldn't normally do when they're on the road. If they're bored and not on TV, guess what? Now I can still make money. And you get a connection with, with the fans. I mean, Adam Cole has spoken about it nah. many, many times. Of uh, Fans are fake. <laughs> True. Uh, Adam Cole has spoken about it many times of like he – loves the chugs army and he just he didn't want to give that up and that's probably a big reason why he ended up in aew instead of going to the main roster because they had their crackdown on twitch at that time and he would have had to give it up and cole is not a guy who talks a lot of wrestling on his on his twitch like i think cole does it the right way because i remember after he, he debuted for aew i i went on his twitch stream like the first stream after he debuted and i was like oh he's gonna say something and it's very generic, cliche, like best day of my life, most exciting. It was so great. Had so much fun. Great to see people. It's like, all right, you didn't really say anything about your debut. And of course he goes on the podcast and then he's talking about everything. Like he's a guy who understands this is my break from talking wrestling. I just want to hang out with you guys and play video games. Let's talk about the games and stuff because I'm more than just the wrestler that you see on TV. And I, th- I think he does it the right way. And I think this that's the way you should do it. And I think that's how a lot of these WWE wrestlers are going to do it. And I do think like it helps build goodwill with a lot of the fans. And hopefully that translates into some viewers is like, if you're playing Sonic all day and you, you know, some Sega fans some video game fans stumble in here, it's like, Oh, who's this person playing Sonic? Oh, this is cool. Oh, you're also a wrestler. Maybe I'll watch you do wrestling. Maybe I'll watch this wrestling show. Like it, it works in that way. And yeah, they make a little bit of extra money, but they should, they should make extra money. You should never yeah. cut your talent off from trying to make extra money. Um, by the way, if you come to join us at uh, twitch.tv slash rifle gaming, don't talk to us about wrestling. Wrestling sucks. I don't watch it. Oh yeah, that's true. So that's going to make this number one article a lot more article, a lot more uh, awkward. Not article. It's going to be an article that is awkward. Number one, Hangman Page. Hangman Page says that he's too stubborn to take advice, and he takes pride in trial and error. Uh, I've never heard of this Hangman Page guy. I hear that GalaxyCon is a very interesting place to give uh, comments about uh, being stubborn and and not taking advice. 
and then there's CM Punk, and I never heard of him either. Talk to me about Hangman Page. Uh, I didn't realize CM Punk was going to cut a shoot promo on this article when I wrote it. Um, there, there had been like clips from this that had come out previously, and then this was the full little panel of it, and a lot of like nothing kind of came from it. I, I really like Hangman Page. I think he's hilarious on, on interviews and stuff, but he doesn't always give like the best answers. Um, but some of this, like a, a lot, I, I sort of expected everybody gets asked these questions, especially in AEW. Now that like stings there and Arn Anderson again, CM Punk is in there and Brian Danielson's there, all these veterans, these well-liked, well-traveled veterans and stuff. What's the best advice you learn from these people and everybody's like oh it's so great it's great learning from sting he has so many stories i love picking this person's brain and picking that person's brain so like if hangman had done that i probably just been like eh, whatever oh and he's like yeah really take advice from these guys and punk was asked about specifically by this question person whoever asked this question they, they did mention like what's it like learning from cm punk and sting like those are the two names that they mentioned and when he's like yeah don't really take advice like too stubborn, uh, you know. I'm I'm the champion. Like I don't really need their advice. Like I'll listen, but just kind of do it on my own. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like I don't hate this mindset, by the way. I do think there is. Hey, maybe learn from some people, and you know, they add. They can tell you what to do and not to do in certain situations, and they're helpful, and whatnot. But I also kind of in agreement with Hangman Page. He's been around for himself. He's been with AEW for a long time, since the beginning. He's been a champion. He knows what it takes out there. He doesn't need CM Punk and Sting coming in here. Well, let me tell you what I did in the NWA and WCW and WWE, brother. It's like, well, man, about that life here in AEW. I like this answer from Hangman Page. And I didn't realize it was going to cause... I'm taking all the credit for the CM Punk interview, or the shoot promo... Who? When he, what was that? Who? CM yeah. who? When, when he was like, I got some advice for you and you better listen. When he said that <laughs> during his shoot promo, I was like, wait a second. This sounds familiar. <laughs> hey, hold on here. Did he, did he, he go to fightful.com and read this article, uh, from, from Galaxy Con? So when he said that, I was like, he's just shooting on this article here. Um, I liked Hangman's answer. And I, I guess I, I see him punk cut a shoot promo on it. I had nothing to do with it. Whatever is going on between them is between them. But you can, again, put some puzzle pieces together and, and see why one is mad at the other about some stuff here. There's one thing that I find really strange about this whole comment about being stubborn. He calls, he says, I'm a world champion. I mean, there are certain people who would look at that and be like, well, you're just being a mark for yourself because... At the end of the day, all these guys are marks for themselves. (laughs) That's true. But like, if you're a world champion and you're using that as fodder for like the reasoning behind your feelings, like, you know, that the world championship is, is is booked to be put on you. You're not legitimately winning a world championship. Like, this isn't a, this is, this is not real. Okay. But why, but why, why, why are, why should he listen to Sting and, and CM Punk? It's because they've been world champions elsewhere and they were booked strongly elsewhere. No, it's because they drew money in certain territories. And I'm not going to disparage Hangman Page. I think he's a great wrestler and a wonderful human being. But like CM Punk, Sting have track records that have sold out arenas across the countries, across really internationally as well. 
they have a certain level of, uh, of, of celebrity and a certain level of um, expertise that comes with what they've done with their experience. Hangman's not there yet. And him saying, I'm a world champion, it feels a little cocky to me. It feels a little bit, like I said, being a mark for yourself. And I understand everyone's a mark for themselves, but he hasn't sold out arenas. It's mostly been his opponent or the idea of the ensemble cast of AEW who who sell out the arena. That's a, I don't think that's fair to Hangman, by the way. I, I think it's always the ensemble cast, honestly, when it when it comes to AEW. I think the legitimate one time that it got sold out was CM Punk, and I certainly don't take that away from him. Everything else, though, is, hey, we got a bunch of big matches or a bunch of good stories. I mean, Hangman, his lead-up to full gear is the best story they've ever done. Like, he deserves mm-hmm. a lot of credit for that. He was part of that. He... he played his role in all of that. It's not his fault that after full gear, they had no idea what to do with him and had bad follow-up with, with, with matches and stuff. I, I, I don't think he sold out the revolution pay-per-view against Adam Cole. I don't think that was all him. That was an ensemble thing. That was I should ensemble think for Punk, sure. Yeah. I actually think Punk's match against MJF was the hottest match going into that show. Um, yes. I, it's all a lot of it's booking. I understand your point of hey, they've sold out arenas, they they sold tickets elsewhere, they have a lot of experience. Yes, I get that, but they sold out these tickets because they were put in a position to succeed. Hangman Page has been put in a position to succeed. He did his part when he was put in that position. Then other times he wasn't put in as great a position. It's all booking. Joel Punk wouldn't be there if he was just booked like if Punk had just been booked like Claudio the entire time. We wouldn't be having this conversation. Everyone thinks Claudio is a great wrestler, and he is, but he wasn't given the same sort of opportunities as Punk, and he's not as good as on the microphone as CM Punk either, but he's certainly right. just as good as a wrestler as CM Punk. But if if Flair doesn't take Sting and is like, this is the guy I want to make, if Flair decides, hey, Luger is the guy I'm actually going to put in this position, and Luger's got a good look. He's not the athlete that Sting was, but you're working with Ric Flair. You can do some things. I actually think Luger is one of the more underrated guys because he did have that look and he could have drawn big and he kind of did when given that position in some, some instances at WCW, but it's all about, you know, who you're, who's booked strong and everything. So I'm in agreement with Hangman. If he's like, I've been here since the start. I know it works here. I've been the champion here. Like I don't fully need what they what they are telling me here and he did say like he'll listen but he doesn't listen hard he prefers to go out there and kind of trial and error this stuff and i think there's a lot to be said about that especially if you're a guy let's let's be honest about it is hangman page he has been the world champion yeah you could say it's booking but it's not like he's brian pillman jr who ain't been to this level and you gotta just stop like, you gotta stop talking shit about it they're gonna find you and just beat you up <laughs> Brian Pillman Jr. is like, yeah, I ain't listen to these guys. Like, what, what, what can they teach me? It's like, okay, what have you accomplished, Brian Pillman Jr.? Like, you could learn plenty from from these guys. Like, it's hang, it's Fitz Hangman Page. He probably should feel a sense of cockiness based on what he's done in AEW. Like, I'm, I'm with him. I'm honestly with him. That's fair. And again, I wanted to push back because there was, to me, I a like certain that. level of of markishness. And yeah, but. 
Again, yeah, all these guys are we, marks. I'm a mark for myself. I do this fucking show every week. <laughs> that's the problem. We sit here every single week for 30 minutes almost, and we say like, "Hey, uh, go and talk about yourself." And I just ask a couple of questions and let you yeah. rant for a bit. It's great. It's wonderful. Quite frankly, you should be on the other side of the, the of the screen, and you should be the host of this thing. I'm just uh, I'm just fodder. No, you you got to ask these questions so I can put myself right, over, Joel. Like that that's that's your role here. You do a great job at it. At it. Well, thank you. I should you. fire you as the owner of Fightful. I should fire you. But, you know, like nobody can say, oh, you're being a mark for yourself as the biggest Bret Hart fan in the world. All right. Like, it, nobody's got legs to stand on when, when you stand Bret Hart. And you're like, ah, you're a mark for yourself. Like, come on. All right. Let's be marks for ourselves and get ourselves out of here. Jeremy, put over what you need to put over. Fightful overbooked. Dot com. You're here now watching this, most likely, I assume. Uh, maybe you're just on Fightful.com and you're, you're watching through there. But FightfulOverbook.com, subscribe, leave us thumbs up on videos. A lot of good stuff. Uh, the series, I, I really enjoyed that as, as a person who's never seen a CM Punk match. Uh, he's actually a very good professional wrestler. I'm learning a lot about CM Punk this week. Uh, yeah, excellent professional wrestler. Uh, we have that. We have... FMC every Mondays where we don't talk about any type of wrestling. Um, what, do, what do we what do we do on Tuesdays? Sometimes we do pillar to post. Joel has his show with Tim every Sunday. Uh, we have That's tag right. talk. Yes, we have tag talk every Sunday. Some interviews coming. We got a lot of stuff. New content daily is what we promote. Sometimes we deliver. And the Twitter thing. You want to talk about your Twitter? No, don't follow me on Twitter. Following on Instagram. I don't have an Instagram. TikTok, maybe? No, I don't have anything but Twitter, but don't follow me on that. It's in the bottom corner if you don't want to follow Jeremy Lambert. I just, I just know a bunch of troll tweets that people take serious. <laughs> That's the best part. That's what I'm I here had to delete. For. I had to delete a tweet because people took it too serious. Oh, no. I don't even want to know anymore. I'll tell you off there. All right. I am at JoelPearl, J-O-E-L-P-E-R-L. Everybody go off the air. Go touch some grass and hang out with your friends. Or maybe if you don't have friends, go pet a cat outside. And if you're allergic to the cat, then go see the dog. Ladies, gentlemen, friends beyond the binary, we'll see you in the next one. Cheers. <laughs>